Powered by GoGoat Sports in partnership with TSN, it is Season 4, Episode 32 of the Rain Dregs Podcast, and it is presented by our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey. You know, right, rightfully so, we, we spend a fair bit of time, or we have in Season 4, talking about the Seattle Kraken, with good reason. I mean, they're, they're a team in the midpoint of the regular season that's in a playoff spot, top three in their division. All right, the Pacific is a little wonky. But they're a fun team to watch as well. As you know, you've had a front row seat there. So we've got Ron Francis, who's old pal of yours as well, the executive VP GM of the Seattle Kraken, joining us a bit later in the podcast. Yeah, you know, I, I was looking at the standings the other day. And so the Kraken are a couple of points behind second place LA with four games in hand. Mm-hmm. I'm like, so chances are they'll they'll pick up two points in those four games. Then you've got, if that happens, you've got your top two teams in the Pacific Division or the NHL's two newest teams, Vegas and Seattle. And I'm like, I know. Hmm, this year has been nothing about, oh, this team needs to rebuild and that team needs to rebuild. Maybe the way to do it is to spend about $800 <laughs> million and get your own team and start again. Like it's, it really, the one thing with the cap, I think, Dregs, I, and you know, from your position, maybe see if you agree or not, is that, it's almost the advantage. The real advantage was that those teams started without any liabilities. That's right. Yeah. They, you know, they, however they spent their money, they spent it, but they didn't have anything left over from the previous regime mm-hmm. that they had to deal with. And let's face it, whenever somebody comes in to take over a team, it's because things didn't go well and you've got to clean up what didn't go well and start from there. But Seattle and Vegas had zero dollars. And they, they they were able to spend it the way they needed to spend it. You know, a quick thought on that, because it's all about management of the cap, right? That's 100% what it's about. And we know that better than half of the NHL, I'm going to talk about this on Insider Trading, but better than half of the NHL is operating in long-term injury, LTIR. The Winnipeg Jets, with their slew of injuries, and they had guys out for long periods, including Nikolai Ehlers, who's who's just recently back. Blake Wheeler was out for an extended period. Nate Schmidt is back, all of that. They've got a couple of guys still out there. They didn't use any LTIR uh, space. And the reason was, I mean, you use it, but then those guys are coming back. So you're not really saving anything on the cap by doing that, but you do accrue cap space when you don't use it, right? So Winnipeg, by not using any LTIR on these guys, could have around seven and a half million in cap space by March 3rd, the trade deadline. I mean, you can get a couple of nice players or one significant player at $7 million. So it's interesting how teams. Yeah. They'll have options. They'll have options that other teams just won't have. They can look at players and contracts that other teams could say, geez, I'd really like that player. I just, I can't do it. And yeah. And Winnipeg's also the other part of that Drake's, as you mentioned, it is, not only would they be able to take a contract the team really needs to move of a good mm-hmm. player, but they're like trading team needs space. They'll probably get an asset in the deal too, aside from the yep. player. A bit of a sweetener, right? So this is this is a really great place for, for the Jets, Kevin Dayoff to be in. Yeah. All right. Well, let's dive into headlines. Thanks again to Boston Pizza. Why don't we start with a game... Well, yeah, let's start with the game that you're doing, and that's Toronto and the Detroit Red Wings. And, and I want to talk about both teams, but if we start with the Toronto Maple Leafs, you got Austin Matthews, who I, I, he's got something nagging. This we know. Sheldon Keefe wouldn't get into the specifics of what it is. My understanding is it's something that he's dealt with in the past. It's not considered serious. You know, 
maybe it's early load management, but also indicating that if TJ Brody and Austin Matthews had to play this week, they would play this week. Okay. So if you're the coach or the general manager and you're in a real good spot in your conference, in your division, are you doing that at this time of the year? Like getting guys as close to 100% as you can, because as we get deeper into the regular season, we start using that term load management, right? At the end of the season, as clubs are now clamoring to get their guys healthy. Is it always the best approach to nip these things in the bud as quickly as you can? Yes, if you can afford to. Yeah. That's A. B is coaches are really scared of sitting guys out with the load management because it sends a message to your team that the game they're playing that night doesn't really matter. Now, I disagree with that a little bit. Everybody's quite aware when players sit out of a game and it's your better guys that they're managing their workload. Like, Mm. I think a fourth-line guy is well aware that if Mitch Marner gets a day off or David Pasternak got a day off, they deserve it. They're playing 23 minutes a night or 20 minutes a night and they're our best guy and I'm in, I'm in favor of it. I always remember as a kid, Larry Robinson would start the playoffs with a tan because yeah. <laughs> the two weeks left in the season, Montreal would send him down to his horse farm because yeah. he, they knew they were going to go on a long run and Larry was going to play way over 20 minutes a night. And so I don't have a problem with it. Surprised of the resistance to do it, that coaches feel nervous about sending the wrong message to their team. Yeah, well, maybe, it, you know, if it's the Maple Leafs or or any medical department, you know, wouldn't that be the message? You go to the coach and just say, hey, you know, could he play? Yeah, he could play. But if you give him, you know, this game off and then that lead, now in Toronto's case, they play back to back. So that gets a little bit more complicated, but you can manage your schedule that way. And I wonder how much influence the medical people have when it comes to the, you know, just so, well, so Drake. type of problems yeah but drakes just think of this like even if it's not that what about as the season gets late and you've got six games in 10 days yeah why not give a couple of guys a day off here and a day off there especially when you don't need the points they're playing tampa in the first round Mm -hmm. like uh, unless the bruins do a face plant they're going to play tampa in the first round yeah and so what is it what really matters other than having your guys healthy and at the as close to the peak of their game as you can come April the 16th or whatever it is all right the team that the Leafs are playing the Detroit Red Wings they've got a lot of work to claw back into the playoff picture mm-hmm. you know I mean the fact that they're in the conversation I guess is is noteworthy but the Red Wings at least to me look like a team that really isn't that far away from green being really good and I mean Iserman is somebody I'm going to watch trade deadline and then obviously in the offseason because I think that Detroit is a sneaky ad or two or three away from being a team that's that's ready to push and be a playoff team. Well, I, you know, I'm doing my stuff for the game tonight and, you know, job one for them uh, contractually is to get Dylan Larkin either signed or decide whatever they're going to do there. If it, if it doesn't work, you can bet that's a tough decision, but they're not going to let them walk into free agency. I I just don't right. see that happening. When I look at the Red Wings, two things stand out for me. Their center ice position is not great. They signed Andrew Kopp as a free agent. Kopp was a, a centerman when he was in college and coming up in the Jets, Winnipeg Jets, he, he looked like a third center. It seems like he's found his most effective place is on the wing as mm-hmm. kind of a, you know, a, a complimentary player to a couple of skill players like he did in New York. Just looking here, what has he got? He's got three goals 
yeah. this this year. Center ice is a hard position to play. So I look at, as a position of need, I look at a center iceman. I also look at, they could use somebody that can score. Like, mm-hmm. goals are hard for the jet or for the wings. Now, they got seven the other night, and they gave up five, you know, which <laughs> is not a trade-off that... Uh, yeah, Winnipeg you know, that was ugly wings, in that game. Yeah. Yeah, Winnipeg thought they played <laughs> terrible. Detroit thought they played terrible. The fans went home, had a great time. <laughs> had a great and, time. And, you know, it's like, seven, five, oh, it's the best. We were talking uh-huh. to Derek Lalone today, the wings coach, and, and he's like, I, I couldn't... It was shocking how bad we played. And I was like, I thought it was fantastic. And he's like, yeah, figures. <laughs> of course he would. Of course he would. So they look, they could use a one-shot score. They really could. Now, you mm-hmm. look at most most Sider is a star. And he's going. He's only getting better. Yeah. They drafted that uh, Simon Edvison, who's down in the American League. He's another giant Swedish player. He's six foot six. Like mm-hmm. their defense is in pretty good shape with youth and growth. Up front, I think they could use some pop, and that'll be interesting to see. But there, I'll tell you, I'm in the new building here today. I'm walking around, and if I get there early enough today, I should have done it this morning, I'll walk out the visitor's tunnel and what the visiting players see when they walk out to the ice. It's like it's like a museum of Red Wings championship history. <laughs> Not it's hilarious. At all. <laughs> they walk through, it's like Stanley Cup, Stanley Cup, Stanley Cup, uh, <laughs> Con Smythe, Hart Trophy. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. So it's it's really a pretty cool thing. You know, one more quick thought on Dylan Larkin. You know, to me, he seems like he's a number two center, right? I mean, yeah. really good player. Now, word out there is that Detroit initially offered eight times eight, so 64 million to extend. And the the counter was something like eight times nine and a half or slightly higher than that Uh, so when you mentioned there's no way that they're going to let him walk out the door for free that's why i circle back on that because that seems like a pretty substantial gap but i guess if you let him walk or you trade him you better be getting something back up the middle of the ice that is going to be as good i would think well, or or somebody's giving you a first-round pick that you really yeah. covet, yeah. right? Because with all due respect, you can't pay Dylan Larkin $9.5 million. You just can't. No. no. Like, you, you need more production on the dollar than that. Let's go to Colorado, because you were just in Denver as well right. earlier this week. Yeah. You know, I'm watching, I haven't watched a ton of avalanche hockey, but I've watched a bit. You know, as, as Kale McCart tweaked his game a little bit, like, I mean, we see the same attributes of what makes him a superstar NHL defenseman, you know, the speed, the hockey smarts, the finish, all of that, but he's taken on more responsibility too. Right. I mean, he leads the NHL in time on ice at almost 27 and a half minutes, which is more than a full minute ahead of Rasmus Dahlin of the Buffalo Sabres. But is that Jared Bednar giving this guy more responsibility? Is this Kale McCarr just, tweaking a little bit through necessity because of injuries points are slightly down marginally mm-hmm. down but what are you seeing in his game that has changed if anything oh uh, well it kills penalties way more yeah without josh manson there he's got to pick up some of that and some of those minutes would be an elevated penalty kin- killing role uh without bo byram there there's more minutes they need when they're behind uh it, he's on the ice all the time it's yeah. just it's almost like they would love in a perfect world to have Miko Rantanen and Nate McKinnon play together. Right now, they can't. They don't have enough players. 
like not enough top end players without the Chuskin in their lineup. And, you know, and that's a, just an enormous loss for them without Gabe yeah. Landeskog, who hasn't played a game this year. Those two being gone necessitate all kinds of change. And it's the same thing with Makar. Without half of their top four in the lineup, Makar has to play more. Some of it's the penalty kill. Some of it's just lineup necessity. The uh, Edmonton Oilers had their way with the Anaheim Ducks on uh, Wednesday night. And, and I mean, that was a expected and a needed win for the Oilers. Let's see if they can turn one win into two or three or five because it feels like that's what they need. I mean, they were 10th in percentage points going into that game, so they're better now. When you look at Anaheim, I mean, I, I don't know that we have labeled it officially as a rebuild, but that's exactly what it is. It's it's a rebuild. And, you know, even though Zegris is a terrific talent and Terry is good, they've got McTavish there. Drysdale is going to be a star, likely a star in the NHL. That defense is no good, or it doesn't seem to be any good. And it just looks like they're a long way from being a playoff contending team, let alone something beyond that. Well, I mean, you can go back to last trade deadline and and they moved Hampus Lindholm. You know, I mean, probably didn't want to move him. He's a terrific player. But why pay somebody $8 million when your team's not going to be any good? And right. so Pat yeah. Verbeek looked at that. They moved him along. They got some assets back. And now they go into the season. They're not trying to get better. They got to spend some money to get to the floor. But it's going to be a race or whatever you call it, a whatever a reverse race is. Turtle Derby? No, oh, it's, it's not even going to be that. Like, how many games <laughs> are Anaheim and Chicago going to win in the last half of the year? <laughs> if they play each other, somebody's got to win. Right. But they'll probably go to overtime and everybody will get points. Like, it's um, this is what a rebuild is, though. Like, mm. if you're doing it, you know, you have those four or five young guys that you mentioned, Drake's, but then you're going to get your teeth kicked in around it. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's, there's no other way to do it. You have to be bad enough to get into those lottery picks or as close to them as you can get. It does you no good to draft 12th, no good at all, because then you're getting into the crapshoot part of the first round, whether a guy's, it's probably a legit NHL prospect, but is he going to be the high end of his ceiling or is he going to be the low end of his floor? And that's a big gap into what a player can be. And that's kind of when you get past 10 and 12. You don't want to be there. Pat Verbeek's was pretty clear that when he went in there, that which direction they were going to go. And it's not a short road. Would you move John Gibson? Or do you you just need, you would, eh? You would. Or at least see what you, you're going to get something. You should get something decent, be it at the trade deadline or in the offseason. I'm I'm trying to accumulate assets. Like, you know, when, when we talk to Ronnie Francis, I'm, I'm sure he, you know, he'll talk about Aqua's requiring assets. Like that's what Seattle had to do. They didn't, Yep. Seven picks doesn't do it when you're trying to rebuild per year. Mm-hmm. You need 10, 11, 12 if you can get them because you don't have enough prospects. Yep. But you bring up John Gibson. I mean, he's been a crash test dummy there for about four years. Yeah. Man, the volume of shots that he faces night after night. Oh, man. I don't yeah. know where his game is at anymore. I don't know how you can even tell. Well, and he's a gamer too, but you do wonder at some point, does he not just go, hey, fellas, I don't know what the market's like. You know, do you want to do it now or wait to the summer? I, I, I'm not suggesting that's his thinking, but who would blame him when you're looking into the teeth of a rebuild after everything that he's had to endure there? All right, those are your headlines. Thanks again to Boston Pizza. Hi, it's Ray Ferraro. 
you've probably heard me talking about my friends at North Beach Agency and Craft Growth. They provide customized marketing solutions tailored to help grow businesses of all sizes. From results-driven marketing across TV, radio, and podcasts to websites, digital, social, out of home, and everything in between, they have the proven expertise to get the measurable results you need to get your business growing. You can visit craftgrowth.net and book your free business growth consultation now. That's craftgrowth.net. Our interviews on Ray and Greg's this season are brought to you by our friends at Canadian Club Whiskey who are asking, are you over beer? Try a refreshing CC ginger ale and lime. Next time you're having a drink or watching the game. All right, it's great to be joined on the Rain Drake's Hockey Podcast by Ron Francis, the general manager of the Seattle Kraken. And uh, I mean, I'm sure Ray will take us down memory lane and talk about your grand days with the Hartford Whalers at some point in the interview here, Ronnie. But, you know, let's jump into the present. Top three in the division, playoff spot at the midpoint of the NHL regular season. I know there's a lot of games, a lot of time ahead here, but, you know, I would expect that you hoped for a season like this, but did you believe that it would come this quickly for the crack? Yeah, no, you know, we talked about it last year and and wasn't trying to make excuses, but I felt that our team had played better than our record was. You know, we were able to make some changes over the course of the summer. We added Burakoski as a free agent and traded for Bjorkstrand and got Matty Beneers in the lineup. And then, you know, we have a healthy Jaden Swartz and a healthy Brandon Tano. So it's five new faces basically up front for us. And, you know, Schultz on the back end and Jones and Ned have been solid additions as well. So, you know, you're always hoping your season goes well, but, you know, I don't know if we saw us being in the position we're in. We certainly wanted to make progress, but it's been it's been real good so far. Ronnie, I did the, the two games right around New Year's. You lost the one to Edmonton when McDavid, you know, just basically took over the game fast. And then, and then two days later, you came back against the Islanders. And to me, like, I thought, oh, geez, I wonder if they're out of gas here a little bit on the 30, December 30th. But then it was like everything clicked in to what it looks like it's been for the most part on the first. Is That's the start of the six-game winning streak. Is that what it's looked like? You were aggressive and fast and it's really impressive. Yeah, no, you know, we had that stretch earlier where it was going really well and then we sort of, you could see it sort of coming and then we were kind of up and down for a while. You know, we lost a tough one, I thought, one we should have won in Vancouver on the 22nd. And then we had a four-day we had a long break at Christmas, right? We're off to the 23rd, 24th, 25th, 26th. We practiced the 27th, and you know, we just didn't seem to have it back in stride yet, the game against mm-hmm. Calgary or Edmonton, and then all of a sudden it kicked in again. And we started playing, I think, the way we're capable of playing or the way we want to play, and that's sort of aggressive and on the four check, and, and you know, it sort of carried over onto this road trip. I mean, this is not a trip with seven games and an easy trip with seven games in 13 mm-hmm. days in the cities we're playing in, but... You know, it's been remarkable how our guys have just continued to work hard and found a way to win hockey games. Matt, you mentioned Matty Beneers. He's been super impressive, and he's really a fun kid to watch play. Uh, any of this surprise you, the way he's looked this year? Yeah, you know, going back to last year, we, we got him out of Michigan, brought him in for the last 10 games, and, you know, I was just kind of hoping he gets through it and really wasn't expecting a whole hell of a lot from him. And, and then he just, you know, he had like a point of game. He was playing great. And I'm going, he's playing better than I, you know, I thought he could, right? And now you you sit there and you think, okay, as a GM, you start to worry. Now he's had the success. He's going to go home for the summer. Is he going to think it's easy? He's going to take his time off. But that's not who Matty is. He's just a, a terrific kid. And, 
from day one in training camp, he's come in and worked extremely hard. He pushes our pace in practice. He pushes our team in games. And, and uh, you know, for a young kid to have that ability to step and do that is tremendous. And, and just a, a great kid off the ice as well and, and well-liked in our locker room by all our players. Now Dave Haxtell, your coach, mentioned that there's a real confidence for such a young man in, in Matty Beneers, but a mix with a humbleness as well to put the, the work in. is Would that be a good description you as you look at it from where you sit? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good description. I mean, he's he comes from a solid background. Mom and dad both uh, went to uh, Cornell Engineering School. His dad had his own business. His, his mom went on to perform on Broadway and as a lawyer. You know, brother and sister both doing well. So it's just a, a real solid family. And, and, you know, he has those, he's sort of grounded in those roots. And yet, you know, he comes on the ice and he loves to play, loves to compete, you know, has fun doing it. You know, I don't think his 40 minutes the other night in Buffalo were great, his first 40, but yet in the third period, he finds a way to score a goal and set up the game winner. So, you know, great addition to our team, and, and we're really proud that he was our first ever draft pick for the Kraken. Yeah, and such a big part of the the future of the Seattle Kraken. Likewise, for Shane Wright, why don't you take us through, you know, the decision after Shane had what most would believe a great finish in helping Canada win gold, but then the decisions made to loan him back to the Ontario Hockey League. It feels like that was a difficult decision, but is it that tough when you know developmentally, Ron, that it's the right thing to do? Yeah, and I think that's the the bottom line. You have to you have to put what's best for the kid and 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 the organization long term. And and you know, in, in Shane's case, you know, he's still 18 years old. He turned 19, you know, in the gold medal game in, in the tournament. So there's not many 18 year olds that step into the game today and, and step in with a big sort of impact in the game. So. Yeah, you know, we got him, you know, a bunch of exhibition games. We got him some regular season games. You know, people critiquing me, weren't giving enough eye time and stuff. Some of that was was on himself. He was taking real short shifts and trying not to maybe, you know, make a mistake out there. So you you see certain things in his game that you like and certain things that you think he needs to improve on. We were able to get him down to the American League for five games. He went down with a terrific attitude, was well received by the players down there, so much so that we were getting ready to call him up at the end of the two weeks and the team was in in Henderson for their end of the trip and they're gonna have their rookie party and I'm like no nope, he's not going we're calling him up tomorrow don't let him be a part of that and the, and the guys argued with the coach and, and with us to say no we want him to come we'll take care of him you know so in two weeks he endeared himself to those guys to them wanting to be part of it which was great you know to see for him and then we we got him back for a game he scored his first NHL goal which was really exciting probably could have had two or three that first period now we're asking him to go play in, in the world juniors Again, didn't miss a beat, went in there, talked to the people Hockey Canada, who attitude was outstanding. They put the C on him. And and I thought he played some, some really good hockey there. Might not have got the points that people were expecting to get, but I thought his game, especially the U.S. game for me, was he played the way you have to play to win hockey games. And, and for us, that was really exciting. Tough decision, but comes back to us. He's not going to get the games. He's not going to get the ice time based on where we're at at this point in our lineup. So we felt it was best to let him go back to junior and get those minutes and work on the things that, you know, we think he needs to continue to work on. And, and you know, hopefully that's the right decision for everybody long term. If the Kraken don't have 24 wins at this point, it's maybe that decision different. Yeah, it could be. It, it definitely could be. I mean, if, if we're sitting on the outside and, and clearly going to be on the outside and we're saying, hey, let's bring him in, let's get him the ice time, let's just sort of suffer through some of the mistakes that are going to happen with a young kid. We could do that. You know, I've done it both ways in, in in my career as a GM. You know, Maddie, we let go back to Michigan last year and then step in at the end of the year. But, you know, he's a little bit older, right? He's still older than, than Shane and, and turning 20 and Shane just turning 19. So there's so a lot of things that factor into it. But based on where we are, we felt this was the right right way to proceed. 
How is everything going now? You got the franchise up and running in the in the American League and in their home, which I assume most people are pretty excited about. If you're going to play in the American League, probably a pretty good place to play. <laughs> yeah, I was told that Dan Bilesma has the one rule he put in place that if you have a tea time after practice, you can't wear your golf shirt to the morning skate or the morning practice. <laughs> <laughs> now that's discipline right there, right? <laughs> no, it's... Uh, you know, the facility is fantastic. Seats about 10,500. They've been getting great crowds, which is exciting to see. We have a practice facility attached. So you go one direction from the locker room to the big rink and the other to practice. We have a, you know, a lounge area for the players. We have a weight room there that is, you know, every bit as good as probably most NHL weight rooms. So it's going to be a real, you know, great place for our young players to come in and play and have the opportunity to develop and, and hopefully earn that opportunity that they want. And that's to play with the big team in the NHL. So, Ronnie, you're, you know, it's been a, well, three years, I guess, for you now, right? But, you know, the, the year prior, the the first year and now halfway through, are you, does it feel like you're settling in or like it's all settled in as, or does it still feel like there's, you're still putting hooks up in the locker room? Like, you, you know, like it, it seems so new yet you're a year and a half in. Yeah, no, and this is actually year four, believe it or not. They hired me two years out and it was, oh. You know, you you know, I don't think we we figured kind of COVID hitting, but we did a lot yeah. of actually a lot of our hiring process was done via Zoom, and because we couldn't travel to meet people in face to face, and hired all the people in our organization, and then you know you're trying to design a locker room, you're trying to design a practice facility, you're trying to design a, a facility down in, in Palm Springs, and you get through the expansion draft, you get through the first season, you're thinking, okay, that's not bad, and then. You know, I think we ended up doing something like 56, 57 contracts last summer between hiring staff and personnel <laughs> and players for Coachella and everything mm-hmm. else. So uh, I think this summer will be a little more normal. You know, we seem, seem to have a lot of at least that logistic stuff in the rearview mirror, which is great. And, you know, I feel very pleased we've hired a lot of good people and, and they're doing a good job for the organization. Well, as you touched on earlier, Ron, Ron Francis joining us on the podcast, you were very busy in the offseason. You added some key pieces. So the team continues to progress. Does that motivate you to maybe add, to bolster that lineup, to try and lock down a, a playoff spot in a pretty tough conference? Yeah, I know it's, you know, it's a delicate situation, and I think we still have some time before we make the final decision as to what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, coming in, we had the plan to build this thing from the ground up and, and be consistent in that. And, you know, once we get there, we want to be competitive year after year. And, you know, we sit there with 11 draft picks in, in this draft, so we do have uh, – you know, some high picks do one in the first and three in the second. So, and everybody says it's a real strong draft. And from what I've seen, they're mm-hmm. right. So, you know, it'll be a tough decision to do. I think we're not opposed to adding, but making sure that we're adding the right pieces at the right price would be, you know, consistent with what we've done, you know, to this point and, and want to do until we feel we're, you know, at the point where we can go crazy. <laughs> when I've been through a couple of coaches the last few days here as I'm doing games and, uh, got into a couple discussions about the way that players want communication today as opposed to the way we got it which was none when when we were starting <laughs> do you communicate with the players more perhaps than a general manager might have 10 years ago or, or even than you might have 10 years ago yeah i, I don't know i just kind of always you know fortunate enough to play a long time i feel comfortable in the locker room and around the players and you know, I'm probably down there on a daily basis. May, they might get tired of seeing me, but, um, you know, it may be some days where it's as simple as, hey, how you doing? Or, you know, you know, how's your breakfast? Or what are you eating? And there might be other days where you feel, 
you need to have a little talk with somebody to give them a little push. And there might be, you know, other days we need to just give somebody a hug and, and tell them things are going to be okay. But, uh, you know, it's, it is different in today's game compared to when we played. And, and I, you know, right or wrong, that's kind of my approach. I, I feel comfortable being in there and I don't have a problem going down into the room and, you know, along the coaches are okay with it. And, you know, we all communicate. So we're on the same page and we're getting one message, but it is certainly different. And, and that's an angle. I think, you know, I choose to, try and help the team in that direction as well. I, I remember any time Jack Evans or Emil Francis came to talk to me, it was like, well, what the hell do they want? Like, this cannot be good. And it's, and it's just different today. I don't, I don't know if they ever, if you ever had that worry. I mean, hell, you were miles ahead of all of us, but man, most well, of I, us were like, oh, now what? I tell us I was in Pittsburgh one time and the locker room was set up where you came from the coach's GM's office in one direction and the players another direction. And I happened to turn the corner to walk in to get a coffee at the exact same time the GM, Craig Patrick, was coming in the other direction. We had lost like five in a row and I'm thinking to myself, worst timing in the world, right? I'm walking to get a coffee when the GM's walking in the room. And, you know, Craig said, how you doing? And I said, nah, I'm good and stuff. It'll be a lot better. You know, we win a game and trying to give them the, you know, the token things you're supposed to say as a player to make the GM feel better. And he goes, we're fine. We're going to win some hockey games. Don't worry about it. It'll be good. You know, and you walk out of there going, yeah, he's right. We're a good team. It's going to be all right. It's yeah. going to be good. And sometimes it's just a, it's a little simple thing like that that kind of changes the attitude of the player's mind. And, and you know, I still go back to that point with Greg and, and I thought it was a valuable lesson for me to learn. So what's, uh, what's this road trip like? You got a, you know, a, a young team, but a lot of veteran guys on it too. Is it, and you're on the trip. Is it interesting to notable different than just watching them tour around last year? Yeah, no, you know, I, I haven't been on the whole trip. I, I flew out. I missed the game at home against the Islanders on, on the first. I flew to Halifax to be at the World Juniors, and I picked the team up again in Ottawa. I'll drop off after tonight. Don't get back till Sunday. But um, the thing I like is the guys are having fun, you know, and, and this is a tough, tough job. There's a lot of pressure on it, and it's good to see them enjoying that. You may have caught the glimpses. We practice in Toronto after the game, and Matty Beneers, who is a USA hockey guy, through and through is wearing a Hockey Canada jersey because he lost the bet to Jordan Everly on the World Junior. So little things like that, seeing them have some fun, seeing them laugh. You know, it's different today. They're, you know, a bunch of them playing on these switches and stuff and playing video games against each other on the bus and planes. And, but the fact that they're enjoying it, and, and, you know, last year was kind of stressful and, and hard on a lot of us players, especially, and, and coaches. And it's good to see everybody uh, having a little more fun this season for sure. When uh, Dregs had contacted you and, uh, you know, and mentioned, he says, hey, Ronnie's going to come on uh, tomorrow. I'm like, oh, great. I said, oh, I'll make sure I ask him if he remembers a couple of things, you know, about about in Hartford. So the first thing that ha the first thing that pops into my head, and I don't even know if you'll remember this, but we were playing in Quebec and we had pulled the goalie. All Samuelson. And yeah, <laughs> apparently you do remember. <laughs> I was telling Dregs, I go. I don't know if Ronnie's going to remember this, but I can't remember at that time laughing harder in a game as the game was going on. Well, so the, you, the funny part was this, we pull the goalie and the puck bounces over Alfie's stick at the blue line. And here go the three Stassnies down the ice, three on all in the empty net. And they're all passing into each other, so they get three points on the play. But all of a sudden you see hmm. the stick come flying past the three Stassnies. And then you see a glove come flying past him, and then another glove. And he's literally undoing his helmet as the goal goes in the net. And, and the crazy part is the three Stashnies are at the penalty box arguing with the referee because the minute Alfie threw a stick, whoever had the puck on a stick got the goal, no assists. And they wanted the two assists on the goal. 
And of course. <laughs> and I think it was like two or three weeks later, they used to have Marv Albert did the crazy sports things on David Letterman. And sure enough, that was yeah. the clip that they showed. So, yeah, no, that one was hard to forget, that one for sure. After there, so that fans are trying to figure it out. And Ulfie's going around picking up his glove and his other glove, his stick, and we're like, what the hell are you doing? There was there was another game up there, Ronnie. I, I know you'll remember it, but Kerry Fraser called a million penalties on Quebec, and the fans lost it. And all of a sudden, somebody opened up a closet, and they were throwing rolls of toilet paper on the ice. Did we finish the game, or did they end the game? I don't remember. Do you remember that? I, I don't remember if we finished it. I'm assuming we did, but I, I can't remember. <laughs> we seem to have a lot of things happen in Quebec, but I'm sure there too. We had the earthquake when we were up there the one time too and had to cancel the game with an earthquake in Quebec of all places. But it was, uh, it was quite <laughs> It was only with the whale, though. It was only with the whale. That's how it's done. Well, I got to tell you, Ron, you've done an amazing job with your staff and it's yeah. so fun to go down into Seattle. I was, as I mentioned, I was down there over New Year's and Oh my gosh, I couldn't believe the energy in the building. It was just like it felt like everybody talked about it was gonna be. It was it was yeah. great to see and and congratulations on this yeah. and have a great run into the playoffs. Thank you. Yeah, I know it's been you hear a lot of things about the fans in Seattle before you get there, but they have been absolutely fantastic and and you know the building is loud, they're supportive even in, in tough games and tough periods. The building itself is, is outstanding, and, and you know, I feel very fortunate. We've got a good group of uh, owners that allow us to do the things that we think we need to do to be successful, and it's great to see the fans enjoying that, our success on the ice and, and the players as well. So thank you very much. Yeah, great fan base and a terrific uh, first half of the regular season. Keep it going, Ron. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, guys. Fingers crossed we can keep her going. All right, we'd like to raise a glass in the Fine Chronicle series presented by Canadian Club Whiskey to Ron Francis of the Seattle Kraken for joining us today. Final Chronicle series, the 45-year-old release is now available everywhere. And, and Ray, I don't know if you saw it or not, but how about our friend Gary Lawless from the Vegas Golden I Knights? Did. Tweets a picture, a screen grab of me doing, I guess it was insider trading on Tuesday, and talking about the whiskey game in Darren Greger's bookshelf. It's right there. It's right the there. The 45-year-old is is right there. So Gary's got a keen eye, sharp eye, Gary, no question. So good on him for acknowledging that. You know, speaking of sharp, Ronnie Francis is is just one of those polished, honest dudes, right? And, I mean, you've known him for a good portion of your adult life, to be fair. Yep. Is there anything, anything at all that surprises you that Ron Francis, you know, went from being – a star player in the National Hockey League to being a pretty successful NHL general manager, I would say. No, nothing really. Because yeah. when Ronnie was our captain in Hartford, he was 21 years old. And the majority of us young guys, well, he was young, but we were 20. And it felt like Ronnie was so much more mature and put together and organized. And we're all just like a bunch of stumbling, bumbling 20-year-olds, right? And yeah. everything with Ron seriously is well thought out it's methodical it's patient that's just the way he is so you know to to tab him to run an expansion team you know we talked about this a lot i just i thought it was a really terrific move because yeah. of the way that he looks at just about everything and so i'm not surprised that they've been way better in year two their view was to build through defense and then add offense 
And things went a little wonky. They thought Grubauer would be better. Of course, they traded and yeah. signed him to yeah. a big deal. And then they had a bunch of injuries. And then they added offense. They got healthy. They've got a good defense. They've been really healthy, Drakes. Here's something wow. that I don't know we've talked about much. I think Flurry is their seventh defenseman. I think he's played six games. Wow. And three of the I, games. I didn't that, realize that. Yeah, three of the games, Alexiak was suspended. Like they've used, mm. they've run the same six guys out there the whole time. They pick up Marty Jones. Nobody shakes a, an eyelash at. He's got 19 wins. Yeah. And, and they score. They, they score. They don't have, you know, they don't have uh, a Pasternak or Matthews or somebody like that. But across the board, those guys can score. And here's one other thing that they did there that I, I wonder why teams don't do it more, but they've got a guy in Daniel Sprong. He doesn't play very much. I think he's got 11 goals. Like mm-hmm. it's, you can say the only thing he can do is score. Yeah, it's pretty hard. Matters. Yet most teams on that fourth line, they, we need energy. We need somebody to crash around and run into the other defensemen. And how about have a guy that could score, that could play mm. on your second power play? And they've identified a role. And Sprong is, if you believe in points per minute and goals per minute, he's at the very top of the league. The guy can score. You're not going to kill penalties, but they fill roles in, and Ronnie's done a great job there, and as the rest of their staff. Yeah, I agree. And I haven't been to the new building yet. I know you have, and I can't wait to get there. Can't wait to get there. I haven't been to Arizona's building yet either, but I might just... Hit pause. Yeah, you have. The new yeah, one. you have. It, no, you, you have. It's just been in the Ontario League. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. There he is. Chris Abbott. Presentation of Batano.ca. Now available in Ontario. Batano, the game starts now. I was challenged, challenged on Tuesday with picking the game of the week as we go into the wild card round in the National Football League. And you know what? This one is relatively easy for me. And I'm looking at the Cowboys and the Buccaneers, right? So I think the over-under is, what, 45 and a half. Uh, the Cowboys plus two and a half, something like that. I'm going with the Buccaneers only because of 45-year-old Tom Brady. That's it. That's it in a nutshell. Dallas, what are they? 0-7 versus Tom Brady. So that's all the matrix that I need to say the Bucs are going to beat the Dallas Cowboys. Who wants to go next? I'm going last. I will. I'm going last. Okay. I, I will go, go ahead, next. Right? I will go next. And you're picking the Bucks because of 45 year old Tom Brady. Yeah, that's it. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm picking the Cowboys because of 45 year old Tom Brady. <laughs> okay, Eventually, fair. the like the oil into the joints is just not not going to work. And I got the Cowboys this week. And you're not teasing? You're not doing any of the No, I'm straight ahead. Dregs, this is the playoffs. You don't fool around for crying out loud. Okay, I get, the playoffs. It, I get it. I get it. Okay. Uh, Abs, how about you? Well, I tell you, I love the – I'm with Ray, by the way. I think Brady's done. I know it's been said before, but – and I know he won the Super Bowl like two years ago. But <laughs> crazy. this hasn't been the same, Tom Brady, right? He's, he's, he's pretty close to a country song. He lost his wife. He's going to lose his job. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm done with Brady. But I think Ray's right, but I'm going to go with Ezekiel Elliott anytime touchdown score. I think it's minus 102 at Botano right now. That's going to be my play on this game. Interesting. How about Super Bowl odds? I mean, that has to be developing now, right? 
Yeah, I mean, interesting announcement today that if the Bills and the Chiefs make it to the AFC Championship game, it's going to be played at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which it's a neutral site one, but it's indoors for these two teams that, I mean, you're expecting bad weather in either KC or Buffalo at the end of January. So that leads to a track meet. That leads to an over, if you ask me, if both those teams get there, which we presume that they will. And that's why Kansas City is, you know, the Super Bowl favorite. And, And speaking of Atlanta, a guy wrestled a lot there, Ric Flair. You know, I always said to be the man, you got to beat the man. And that's why, you know, the Eagles are going to be down. Anyone else is going to be down a little bit. I think we expect the AFC to win the Super Bowl. And and that's why, you know, you'll see the Chiefs and the Bills at the top. But I think the 49ers, this Brock Purdy story is something to watch. And if you're if you're into underdogs, I think you can get a little bit a little bit of value on him. He's been good. All right. Well, speaking of beating the man. Pretty good goalie showdown on Wednesday night, right? With UC Saros of the Nashville Predators against Matt Murray of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And the only reason I bring this up is because you bet on the Leafs and Matt Murray actually bailed you out, Chris. Yeah, I mean, the full moon was last weekend, I think. But it's usually only about that often that I that I get behind the Leafs. And I'll be completely honest. I had my head down working yesterday and I, and I saw the price and I bet it. And then I'm like, oh, Austin Matthews isn't playing. So always, always, <laughs> always check the lineups before you place a bet. Uh, that was a rookie mistake on my part. But the Leafs have looked good, man. Like as much as I like to, you know, yeah. faux hate yep. on them a little bit, they've been good. Matt Murray was outstanding. Did he get a little bit lucky on his little Hasek save early on? Sure. But you got to be lucky to be good. And and it's been a long time where it's you've been able to rely on a goalie in a big spot in Toronto. And, and he went up against one of the best last night. I mean, it's a frustrating team to play against and he was, you know, 10 bells. So shout out to Matt Murray, not only got me paid him and John Tavares, but you like to see that for the Toronto Maple Leafs in general. That's awesome. Good stuff, buddy. All right. We'll let you go with that. Have a great weekend. Uh, We know it's going to be entertaining. There's so much to watch sports TV, especially with the NFL and We'll check back with you on Tuesday. Yeah, it should be wild. Uh, let's pay attention to social media, see what uh, see what we get up to. All right, buddy. What's your weekend looking like? Get back to van well, and put your feet no, up. No, no. I'm trying spot. to get. I'm trying to get get the game tonight. Uh, Toronto's here yeah. in Detroit, and then uh, I am actually going to Fort Lauderdale for the weekend. And uh, the Canucks are having their management meetings around mm. uh, their their game in Vancouver or their game in Florida on Saturday night. So pros and amateur scouts are there and uh, spouses are invited. To walk. Spouses are invited. I'm going to walk on the beach. Or, well, I don't know what the Cammy's going to be in meetings. I don't know. I don't know. I'll go work out and maybe find a golf course and hit some golf balls. And, you know, I'll, I'll find a way to that's, occupy myself. That's far more entertaining than what I'm doing. I have, I mean, although I don't have a plan, sometimes no plan is a good plan, right? Good thing. Because good things can, can develop. Very now, how's Tiny doing? How's Tiny doing? Tiny's on the man. Quick update. Yeah, quick update. Tiny's on the men. She's on pain medication. Didn't walk this week. The vet said, give her two weeks, no walks. And the limp has subsided. So she's she's healing. So we're in good shape. Okay, so like, how does Tiny get from room to room? Are you carrying her? No, no, no. She she's mobile enough. Like she can she can okay. handle the stairs and all of that. Yeah. Now, I mean, I could lift her. I think it would be a dangerous proposition. <laughs> Like for both of us, because I'm dropping her. She's probably biting my ears off in this process. Uh, What the hell are you doing? Yeah, Yeah. maybe just leave that alone. All right, buddy. We'll enjoy Florida and we'll reconnect on Tuesday. You betcha. Take care, guys. Everybody, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. You bet. Shout out to our partners who make the pod possible twice a week. 
Our title sponsor, our good friends at Canadian Club of Whiskey, who are asking, are you over beer? Boston Pizza, pick it up or get it delivered to your door. Let Boston Pizza do the cooking tonight. By Botano.ca, now available in Ontario. And remember, the game starts now, says Botano. And by Doer, use code RND15. You will save 15% off everything. Check them out at Doer.ca. That is episode 32 of the Ray and Dregs Hockey Podcast. Until Tuesday, be safe and have a great weekend, everybody. 